Hello and welcome to the Data for Subscriptions podcast. I'm your host, Berat Bonian, and uh, I have the pleasure of welcoming Thomas Walker here to the show. Welcome, Tom. Oh, thank you very much, Berat. Tom, you are one of our most experienced customer solutions consultants, and today we're going to focus on one of my favorite industries. I'm fascinated by it, the finance industry. And the reason I'm fascinated by it is because of all the industries that we see going through these transitions, transformation that we speak about from a data-data management perspective, this industry really pushes the envelope because it's one of the most important institutions and organizations for society and businesses to work. And at the same time, it's absolutely at the forefront of pushing the envelope from digital currency, cryptocurrency. It really pushes what we speak about from a software as a service and data management to the absolute max. Absolutely. And you know, a lot of the you know financial institutions have been around hundreds of years. And in some ways, they're still doing a lot of the same stuff they did. They're just doing a whole lot more. There's many different ways in which kind of the, the digital life has affected it. And like you say, a lot of the digital transformation that's happened. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of very traditional things that they do. But there's also a lot of things where they're pushing the boundaries, like you say, cryptocurrencies, uh, crowdfunding, um, blockchain, a whole lot of different ways in which they're involved in in new and different things, even if they are, you know, a name that's been around for a long, long time. So if you expand on what trends you see in this space, and specifically, if we can hone in on software as a service adoption, and specifically data management, what is it that you observe? So what I've seen, and, you know, there's other companies out there, which have done surveys, you know, to support this, but, you know, there's a lot of, inf- a lot of um, you know, SaaS adoption for a lot of different kinds of reporting. Um, risk management and uh, identification, uh, things such as analysis and analytics and, and machine learning, looking at performance management um, and, and using a lot of their measurements against you know, things that they set up that way. Um, but also one thing, um, I was reading a report by Forbes Insights, and they talked about 83% of executives say that improving data management is going to help them as a company to service the customers, to increase the bottom line. So that intersection of hey, well, we want to increase our data management, we're adopting SaaS. Uh, where those two meet you know, is where there's a, a lot of opportunity and a lot of uh, you know, investment and activity going on in the industry right now. It's a fragmented industry. It goes from the types of companies that you said that have been here for hundreds of years, possibly, some of the traditional banks, all the way to the companies that are dealing with, for example, cryptocurrencies and digital currencies. How big of a factor is M&A activity? Right. And it's, it's interesting calling it a fragmented industry. Like I say, it's fragmented because there's a lot of startup, startups, there's a lot of disruptors out there. Um, and what often happens is, you know, you'll get one of these, you know, disrupting type of companies that eventually gets bought by some of the old traditional ones. Um, so that kind of merging of the old and the new, you know, we saw it back with, you know, online trading a couple of decades ago. Um, online bank accounts, you know, um, in, in that same kind of time frame. And, and the same thing is happening now where you have you know, companies that essentially make a market, then they get you know, swallowed up by somebody else to, to bolster their uh, types of products and services. Um, and sometimes it's products and services, uh, you know, sometimes these, these more upstarts, you know, they're taking more traditional banking services and bringing new audiences. You know, there's still a large um, unbanked and underbanked population out there, uh, which can be brought in, you know, everything from you know, Walmart offering checking accounts uh, to other ones doing it online for you know people who are traditionally not been in the banking sector. Um, so like I say, there's a lot of, of M&A around kind of the consolidation to get, hey, wow, we want to have a financial institution that has every possible service out there for every kind of people out there. 
Um, so as you know, they're kind of pushing the envelope, some of these companies eventually being brought in with some of the larger ones so that they can contribute to, like I said, that, that larger overall ecosystem for the, the banking sector. All right, let's look at a customer you've recently worked with where we've seen these opportunities and challenges in play, Tom. Sure. So one company that uh, I've been working with recently, uh, they have a financial reporting um, SaaS portfolio that they have. Uh, what happens is they have uh, very, very complex customers. Some of them are banks and financial institutions. Some are just large enterprise with global operations. Uh, what this company does is they bring all of their assets together in one place so they can do reporting and analytics um, on that. And the, the problems that they were seeing was they have, you know, they wanted to use pricing as a, as a way to, you know, gain more customers, uh, gain more perceived value from their customers. Um, and they've been doing this for quite a long time. And in reality, they have a, a whole huge mix of, you know, technology, people, processes that they've developed to, uh, to handle this. Um, and it just made sense that, okay, well, let's take a step back. Hey, let's see if we can make this more streamlined, make it less time consuming, use less resources to, uh, to bring customers on and to run the monthly billing processes that they have. Okay. So what was the initial specific ask from them to you to kind of, this is what we need to solve for? So what they had said is, like I said, they had this whole huge um, mess of systems. Like right. Some of them were 15 years old or so. Some of them didn't even have documentation. They weren't sure what they did, but they knew they couldn't stop it. Uh, so they had, you know, these, all these operational problems, uh, you know, they bring in a new customer and now everything takes longer. Uh, so they couldn't get billing out in time. Um, there was a lot of effort involved in, um, actually doing the billing, Hey, running reports, feeding them through Excel, feeding them to the billing system. Uh, it took time to set up new customers. So they really wanted to, to be able to take those resources, redeploy them, you know, into other revenue generating positions in the company. But right now they were uh, just required to, uh, you know, essentially get all this information into billing correctly. Yeah. And if I put that in light of what you just said in terms of what they wanted to achieve, which is to kind of serve their customers better, provide mm -hmm. them better value, grow the revenue, and also being more efficient in terms of how they manage their revenue data and billing. Yep. It sounds to me like that starting point, um, they realized themselves that that's not really serving them to meet their goals, which is not always the case with customers that we meet. How right. come these guys had the insight to kind of take a step back and go, hold on a minute, this is actually not the right way to do this? Well, um, what had happened was, and really they do look like a lot of our customers, they just had the realization, I should say a lot of customers when we first start working on them, mm -hmm. they just had the realization of, well, every month, you know, they're getting more and more calls at two in the morning that something failed. They were getting more their, you know, the length of time it took for them to repair uh, the monthly billing cycle went from 12 hours to 24 hours to 48 hours. You know, it was increasing. Uh, they had some new customers coming along, which were rather large, which they weren't sure how that would affect it. So it was just this kind of snowball going downhill building. Um, and they were, they were just realizing that, okay, this is no, no longer sustainable. You know, they had actually had looked for a solution a couple of years ago. Uh, they had bought a, a new billing system, which they thought could handle all this stuff. Um, and that, and when they realized, hey, well, this effort failed, you know, they had to go back out um, and look for, okay, well, we not only have to look at billing, but this, you know, usage mediation, this usage processing process as well. Uh, this is interesting. How come they started by 
solving for this by going for a new billing system? And uh, was that because they thought that the billing system naturally would manage the whole data flow and the data management issue that they had underlying? That's what they thought. You know, they thought, and some of the, the billing vendor that they went with, uh, I think it was two and a half years ago, said that, oh yeah, we can do this piece as well. So it's more, you know, taking, you know, this massive information, boiling it down to what they need for billing. Uh, like I said, the, the billing provider that they ended up buying said that they could do it. Um, and in the end, they not only didn't do it, but uh, they didn't do a whole lot of other stuff as well. So some of it was over-promising on the billing side, so that when they went out this time to look for a solution, uh, you know, they were looking for not only billing, but someone to handle, like I said, the, you know, the usage management piece that, uh, that were being brought in to handle. Right. Seems like a somewhat of a painful journey for them, but on the other hand, something that taught them something that uh, we are seeing a whole lot of other companies not yet realizing we're still seeing that they're trying to kind of solve for this issue with the wrong means be it a, a billing system or you're throwing your more people uh, into the mix can you be a bit more specific on the improvements that you just went through with us absolutely so they had several resources uh technical resources that were constantly working on this problem you know with new customers uh, handling different volumes and things like that uh, and they're able to essentially take those and redeploy them on you know, revenue generating um, activities. You know, like I said, there's no IT group in the land that doesn't have a huge list of mission critical projects out there. So they were able to redeploy them on there. You know, also from an operations perspective, uh, you know, they were having problems with, you know, billing cycles taking longer and longer. Hey, with our SaaS solution, things dynamically scale. So we're always gonna be handling that. Hey, they could get a, a new customer that's now 20% of their business. They don't have to worry about, wow, is my, do I need more of this, more of that? We just dynamically scale and handle it. So their, their operations are going to be much simplified as well. And again, now they're going to have more resources to handle you know, other types of applications that need that, uh, that need that support. So in summary, from a business initiative standpoint, the automation and the software that we provide manages for their current business needs as well as as they scale and grow. And at the same time, we're basically reducing their full-time employee cost, if we say so, to manage for this. Now they can choose to put it, for example, on revenue generating and customer-related activities, per se. Oh, absolutely. They have a long list of, of projects, which they're just waiting for the resources. So now they're able to, you know, to push that to the, uh, you know, the top project on that list that they had. Got it. How big of an issue is revenue leakage and revenue assurance in this case funny with with revenue leakage revenue assurance everyone knows they have some yeah they and you know usually there's somebody that says okay well in this case we can't we can't bill that um but then when we actually get into it and get under the covers you know often we're finding that there's a lot more than they expected or sometimes to think hey it's between these two systems we think something's off sometimes that's true sometimes there's other bigger problems um in this case revenue assurance uh, or revenue leakage, it was uh, it was a small problem. You know, as we go through, um, you know, with the deployments, as you know, we're we're in the early stages now. Uh, we're expecting to find more, but there's certainly been some holes that have been plugged on there. Um, you know, as well as you know, from a customer satisfaction point of view, you know, making sure that that invoices are right, uh, because you know, anytime you're writing a check, you want to make sure you're writing a check for the right amount. Um, and 
uh, like I say, with uh, with revenue assurance, uh, yeah, we've certainly found you know that there's some issues there, uh, but you know we're expecting to find more as uh, as time goes on. You know, as well as you know, one of their fears were you know the larger new customers we have, the more complex, the more likelihood that that could happen, so that they are in effect putting controls in place to prevent that in the future. Right. And it's interesting with the revenue leakage, we've had this on previous episodes as well as one of those, you don't know what you don't know. Now, in some cases, in this case, you say that, so the customer knew at least a few indicators of where issues could uh, reside. But initially when you, uh, when you spin up uh, the software from our side, and so initially you do an assessment and you start, to, it's almost like a checking for symptoms and issues and you start to see holes and you plug that. The interesting takeaway is that if I go back to what you said, what their ask was to you, revenue leakage and revenue insurance wasn't necessarily on the list, but this is an added bonus, really, of what they get. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and like I said, usually they're, you know, they're going to have some suspicion. There might be some out there, yeah. um, but when we're you know auditing and saying, well, you know, we got you know fourteen billion records, we want to make sure fourteen billion records you know either show up on an invoice um, or in, in whatever summarized fashion. You know, or that they're all accounted for. So, you know, just the way we make sure that everything comes in has to go out. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a, wow, what about these hundred million? We never did anything with them. So you say it's it's often a peeling the onion type of uh, type of idea of, hey, looking for it, uh, we find something, find out what has to be done to to make sure that that's going to be, uh, you know, chargeable or that's going to be revenue going forward. You might ask, uh, you might be asking how important it is that the data is auditable and traceable? Oh, it, it's absolutely paramount. Um, you know, like I said, especially when you're talking about you know, SaaS environments, you know, so things are going to be going from, you know, whatever in- infrastructure they have. You said that could be another SaaS environment. It could be their own, their, their own systems. But to make sure that we can say, hey, this was the number of files, this was the number of records uh, that came in, often we're going to have different points throughout the process. Uh, that says, okay, well, this is what happened to them. Um, but it's it's absolutely critical. And I'm often surprised as to, you know, with the way that the customers have slowly developed and evolved things over time, uh, the, the different handoffs that they have, you know, how hard existing customers have it with their current infrastructure, how hard it is to give that trail. So, you know, essentially having us as the, you know, in the middle say, okay, well, you know, we know this is how much comes in. We know this is how much comes out. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a very critical thing because, you know, otherwise it's just, you know, you don't really have any idea. So, you know, sometimes customers know what they don't know. Um, and that's often a great place to start. Um, but, you know, the real problem is when the customers don't know what they don't know, uh, because then you have to figure out, okay, well, you know, there's all these different places that things could happen. You know, essentially put auto points throughout uh, but it's absolutely critical to be able to do those, uh, you know, counts of, you know, records, volumes, uh, dollars, whatever kind of units that they are charging for. Tom, when we speak about data management and specifically usage data management, there are alternatives in the market that claim that they can do the same. What is it that Digital Route does that makes us the best alternative? Why did the customer that you talked about today choose us versus others? Like you say, there's no shortage of tools which say they can do what we do. Um, you have places like you know ETL tools, you have iPass tools, you have systems integrators. Uh, let me let me address them all slightly differently. You know ETL tools and iPass. 
okay, there are certain things that they could do. Um, if something is very simple, hey, this works, you just got to load some data, there's not a lot of processing, there's probably a place where, where they could do what customers need. Um, but when you want to do things like validations, hey, I only want to send data for a customer to billing when they're set up correctly in billing. Uh, hey, we can do the checks for that. Um, with a customer we were talking about, every customer of theirs had different um, ways in which stuff had to be sent to billing because they had customer-specific definitions for uh, what the billing process for them was. So, you know, if you got a record, you know, for customer A, we have to do something for customer A, B, and C. Uh, those other tools simply can't do it. If you're talking systems integrators, well, if you have enough time, you have enough money, you know, they can certainly come up to do things that we have. But even after that time and money, um, you know, are you really going to be ready for the change that happens next month, next quarter, next year? Uh, because they're often going to do exactly what they're supposed to do. Uh, but, you know, businesses, they, you know, they're constantly changing. They're constantly ebbing and flowing over time. Well, once they succeed long-term do. Um, so then you have to go back and say, well, now we have to change this to handle something different. So that's kind of custom built solution, uh, you know, by itself, you know, it is very hard to, to justify in the long-term because, uh, you know, when you go through and you make changes, often it's going to take you just as long and just as much money for some simple changes as it did to stand it up in the first place. Tom, you uh, recently also worked on a use case uh, by the name of Wealth Canyon to basically capture all of the know-how and experience that we have. Why don't you um, tell us what Wealth Canyon is as a company to begin with? Sure. So Wealth Canyon is a institutional investment accounting and reporting software as a service company. They service uh, investment banks, brokerage, brokerage houses, large multinational companies, fund managers. Um, so a lot of different types of, of institutions. Um, and they provide a reporting platform to do um, risk management, regulatory management reporting, uh, financial analysis, financial analytics, um, on top of all of the different assets that companies have essentially spread throughout the world. Right. And what are the issues they're trying to solve for? So a lot of the issues they're trying to solve for are they have a lot of in-house developed processes, procedures, systems uh, that they require to do, well, a lot of different things, including billing, um, including customer interaction. Uh, but they've really kind of grown this, uh, this variety of, of different tools that they have uh, for their operations. So it's one of those at the time, it made complete sense to say, well, I'm going to do this, then we have to fix it this way. Uh, but taking a step back, uh, they're really looking to streamline their operations, uh, both for customer onboarding, customer billing, um, and you know, customer billing ties very heavily into customer satisfaction. Right. And if you look at post-implementation of um, an automated software for usage data management, what kind of benefits uh, do you see? So first off, understanding the information better. Um, quite often when you're doing this type of thing, it's like, hey, we got to get billing done. We got to get billing right. Uh, which obviously is very important, not only for the customers, but for the company itself. But then they don't often see what are other avenues in which we could take this information and we could use it. So instead of saying, hey, we have to get these numbers to get it to billing, well, hey, we want to take the the uh, the data, take it, maybe a different view of it. Hey, we want to look at you know assets in Bulgaria across all of our customers. We want to look at uh, government securities you know, across Europe. Uh, by bringing that information, not just to get billing right, but to get it so it's their ability as a company to kind of slice it and dice it and report across all of their different customers. You know, that is some of the other things that uh, that they're looking to do. 
Um, additionally, you know, Wealth Canyon wants to, to do more things, right? They have all of this information. Uh, well, they want to both by themselves and through partners. Uh, they want to be able to offer services uh, for managing and advising uh, customers for this. Because they may say, hey, wow, you, know, you have this one customer with a trillion dollars in assets. Well, they really want some, some more help in, hey, there's the most risky part of this, say it's $100 million, you know, Wealth Canyon wants to be able to, you know, provide advisory services on that um, and just charge for that chunk of it that they want to do that there. Right. So it, not just to say, hey, our overall kind of investment number with, you know, this particular bank is so big, uh, but the piece where they want more from us or from a partner, you know, that they could grow that way, they want to be able to offer these additional services. Um, so they need help getting, you know, essentially their, uh, you know, the backend processes in order so they can do these things. So from a customer side, better service, flexibility, uh, more value on the backend side, specificity, granularity. Absolutely. And just streamlined, you know, right. so that they don't have to have, um, you know, so many people, so many processes in place, things taking a certain amount of time. Uh, they want to essentially compress that. So a lot of the stuff that are the current headaches, they don't even have to think about it anymore. Got it. Got it. All right, Tom, if I take it back to where we started the discussion today around where the finance industry is and where it's come from, if you look ahead the next two to three years, what do you expect is going to happen? So like I say, we've seen a lot of changes in the industry just with all of these external shocks. Um, so, you know, as you see mergers and acquisitions in financial services, you're going to see the same type of thing in, in fintech as well. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of companies where, hey, they might have made sense a couple of years ago. They got some great technology, not the same marketplace. You know, they're ripe for being acquired for merging with someone else. Um, so I do believe there's going to be a lot of different, you know, type of M&A activity on the, on the fintech sector, you know, particularly in the SaaS world, because it's much more easy to take things and combine them um, in that type of environment. Um, you know, and, you know, one other statistic I had thrown out before is the number of executives that are looking to improve data management uh, so they can service their customers better, so they can make more money themselves. Uh, you know, that is certainly going to play into uh, into the fintech sector you know, because that's what the financial services industry is is looking for. So, like I say, taking those, you know, trends of you know consolidation um, of data management. Uh, there's a lot of areas in fintech where they're going to be looking for uh, solutions to provide their customers, you know, in those types of areas. Got it. Tom, thank you so much for the conversation and thank you everybody for tuning in for today. All right. Thanks for that.